Welcome to the Go Time Podcast. Go Time Podcast. With your host, Todd Martin. One of my best friends um, growing up was uh, he, he joined, he was like you. He joined, um, he joined uh, the, the delayed entry and he joined up before we graduated from high school. I don't think he, after our graduation, I don't think he was around for like two weeks and he was boom, gone. And he went in guaranteed job. Uh, he, he, man, he was the kid that wore the green jacket at school and stuff. Like he was so, uh, that's, he knew where he was going. He knew what he was going to be. And, um, and, and he, he was just a great kid. I really, really enjoyed him. We were really good tight buddies. And, um, and he, you know, went straight in, he went in guaranteed job as a ranger. And so he fit <laughs> and he went in and, and he graduated, uh, basic and then went on to jump school and he finished that. And, and, uh, and they had a early out or they had the, uh, run, uh, I guess Clinton went into office and they started doing all the budget cuts. Right. And during those budget cuts, they, that was like one of the first ones that got cut. Right. And so they, they looked at him and, and, uh, and said, well, you know, you got, you got a choice. You can go home or you can get a job that will give you until, you know, an opening opens up and you can, you can, uh, uh, go back at the school when the school opens up, but right now it's full. And he was like, well, you know, what kind of job am I going to get? And he was like, well, whatever we give you. Right. And so he was like, well, I mean, he was for sure lifer. He was going in and you know, that was what he was going to do. So he was like, well, give me a job. He got a job. <laughs> You'll love this. <laughs> he got a job, um, as a lifeguard in the topless beach in Vicenza, Italy <laughs> for oh, <man>. like two <laughs> years. Yeah. <laughs> and he did that for a couple of years until the slot came open and then did. And then he went straight in, which he stayed in shape and he was, you know, he was ready to go. Right. Um, and, he, uh, when, when nine 11 happened, I was training horses and, uh, and was early in the beginning of what I was doing and stuff. And we had just, you know, cell phones were just kind of coming around and I had one and, and I hadn't heard from him in quite a long time. Right. And they had the budget cuts and everything. And, and then they opened back up for him and nine 11 happened. And I was riding around I went over and I talked to his mom and, and, uh, and asked her if she'd heard from him. She's like, Todd, I haven't heard from him in weeks. I got no idea. I haven't, you know, I don't know where he's at, what's going on, nothing clue. So I was like, well, here's my number, you know, give it to him and, and, uh, have him give me a call if he, you know, calls. And, and I don't know, a couple of weeks later, whatever, I get a phone call and it's him and he's, you know, finding his way back to um, somewhere, you know, uh, in the world and uh, on a satellite phone and he's you know like that he took the time to call me but you know after he talked to his mom and we got to bs and stuff and, and that was one of the things that we were talking about and i'm like so what you know what do i do what what's like so i'm here and i'm doing my deal but like i i i want to i like i feel like i need to be doing something too i had, i had finished and got out of the military or whatever and i'm and it you know military wasn't I went in as a weatherman in the Air Force, and it wasn't really my my gig. I wanted to go in, and actually, I wanted to go para weather, and I got kept getting turned down for it. And then the budget cuts and whatever else, they didn't have any of the openings, and I was like, "Damn, just go home." Um, so, uh, so I I didn't stay in, and I was asking him, I was like, "So, so how do I make a difference? What do I do?" And his deal, and I was such a profound looking back at it now because we were just kids, right? And his deal was, you know, like go back and do your regular deal. Like, you know, do what you're supposed to do, you know, be in, be, you know, take care of your family, do, you know, raise a good family, keep what's right, you know, going on. And I, and I think that's what we've lost. Right. 
I think we've lost the importance of what the role is for, you know, even not just the guy, you know, that's out there fighting, you know, the good fight in, in the middle of, you know, the crap holes of the world, but <clears throat> that, you know, we've lost the touch of what was the importance of doing it here at home, right? Being, being diligent. I think that's the where, you know, like you were saying with the kids now that they're coming and talking to you and like, you know, go out and get your job and figure it out and do those things and, you know, be that part of it. But, but, you know, you, that is, that can be such a huge role right now in leadership that we do need the leadership inside of it. We do need then leadership with inside our country again to, to grow great men and through experience and through everything else, but like finding that importance, right. And, and that, you know, here that it's not just, when these guys come back home and feel like they've lost their, you know, like identity, you know, you go through and you've, you know, been a military guy for however many years and you've seen combat and you've done all these different things. And then they come back and they're just like, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think it's such an important thing because it's, it does feel like a loss. It feels like you're, you know, you're 40 year old guys that have, you know, conquered some stuff and all of a sudden they're like, you know, what am I doing now? Right. And for us as men realizing like, fight's here now. The fight now is to, to like, you know, man, you need to pour into your kids. You need to pour into your family, being that example as a role model for your, for your daughter. You know, if you're not the good role model for your daughter, how's she going to know what kind of man to pick? You know, she's not going to know where those things are at unless we're leading it from the front on, on really at home, you know, is where the, where the real fight is at now. Unfortunately, you know, our kids are, they're subjected to the education system that is very mm. left-wing liberal. I, I experienced this myself. Raised my kids in a very conservative home, sent them off to college, yep. and I came back, and I'm like, who the hell are you? <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and what, what, what kind of bullshit are you talking to me about right now, you know? Yeah. Uh, I got, so I have a funny story to share with you. So uh, this is one of my daughters. It's a long time ago. So she comes home from college one weekend and uh, she's kind of cruising around like a shark. I knew something was up. She goes, Dad, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. What's the question? She goes, this was during the Bush era um, when Bush was talking about putting the wall up. Okay. Yeah, Bush was talking about putting the wall up and uh, the fence up. And she's like, what do you think about this whole idea of putting the wall up, you know, to keep the Mexicans out, the illegals, aliens, or undocumented aliens, whatever the fuck. Look, they're illegal aliens, whatever. okay? They're goddamn criminals. Let's just say it, what it is, all right? Stop tripping your shit. You don't have to like it, but it's true. You come across this country, you're not invited, you're here illegally. Illegal. You do, yeah. you do that You do that shit here in Indonesia, you go into the gulag, man, for a very long time. And their prisons aren't very nice either. They don't mess around with this. But anyway, that's every country. That's every country in this world. If I go into their country yeah. and you're not invited, see what happens. But anyway, she goes like, yeah, what do you think about, you know, you know, this, you know, put the wall up and keeping the, you know, the aliens out, Mexican or whatever the hell they are, whoever they are. And I'm like, I said, build it higher and put machine guns on it. And she was like, but dad, they're just trying to come here and make a better life for themselves. Blah, 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 blah. Right? She, so she bought into all the bullshit uh, from her liberal professors. And I'm like, let me tell you something. I said, when they come over here illegally, all right, they're over here using our infrastructure. They're over here taking advantage of everything we're working at and working hard to get. And they're getting this shit basically for free. They're working for lower wages. So, you know, they're taking up jobs. 
And other people, other Americans are sitting on their ass on welfare, collecting a bunch of money when they could have went and did that job themselves. They keep saying, well, Americans won't take that job. I tell you what, you take away welfare, they will take those jobs. Because here in Indonesia, there's no welfare program, zero. No unemployment, nada. If you're not working, you're not eating. So you have a choice, find a job, make a job, or go hungry. And guess what? You don't see hungry people running around here. They make jobs, or they find jobs, or they create jobs. But they get it. And they're not poor. They're not destitute. They all do fine. They're not rich like Americans, but you know what? They're all very happy. And so that's the problem with the welfare unemployment system. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like if you you took that out, every job will be taken. If, and if you said, listen, I'll give you welfare. I understand. Sometimes shit happens. You know, we'll put you on welfare 90 days. Okay, six months. When you get a job, guess what? You're paying that money back. You pay it back on the loan for the next guy that needs it. How about that? It's no yeah. free shit, yeah. right? And so, so anyways, um, so she, you know, she couldn't believe all that. What I said to her, I said, yeah, build a wall, hire, put machine guns on. I said, what? Oh my God, you saw me, dad, blah, blah, blah. I said, yep, yep, yep. Because you know what? My mom is an immigrant. She came here into America legally, legally. She's actually a German immigrant. Guess what? My wife is an immigrant. And she's done doing it legally. Same shit, right? I can go on and on and on. I said, these are people that didn't bypass everybody, didn't cheat when it was the border. They stood in line and did their part. And guess what? They actually speak English, too. They learn how to speak English. They actually get it. And, they, and both of them, one's a Muslim Asian, the other one's a German. Both of them appreciate America for what it is, patriotism. They, they believe in, them, in, the, in the, the conservatives. Too, right, they don't believe in the liberal bullshit. So, anyways, here's so what happens. But they, but they learn they learn that through struggle, right? I mean, that's the whole that's the whole thing. Everything that we're talking about, like it's right. hard to get in. It's hard to go through that. Then, but but you going through the process of you yeah. know immigration, which is like a pain in the ass, yeah, right? Uh, going through all the the stuff, it costs money. It's you know, but you appreciate what you're going through in order to get it, if unless it's just given to you, and then you have no appreciation for it. Absolutely, exactly. Dude. It's absolutely, man. Um, my mom is so happy; she's been in America for a long time. Um, my wife is so excited, you know, like wow, it's yeah. come true. Um, so two weeks later, after this conversation with my daughter, I'm down in uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida, Saturday night around eleven o'clock. And I'm in my car. My daughter calls me. I pick up the phone, and she's just losing her mind. I go, what is going on? She goes, Dad, I just got in a car accident. So she's actually injured. Okay, so here's what happened. Okay, she's driving along. Light is green. It's a T-intersection. All of a sudden, a car in the T-intersection pulls out, and she, she hits him aside. Okay, two, two Mexicans could not speak English driving the other car. They had no driver's license. They had no insurance. They could not speak English. She hits them, flips their car over, totals her car, hurts herself. She's on the phone, and her first instinct was to call me right away. She just picked the phone, and she's screaming, right? I'm talking to her, and then I can hear the police officer, ma'am, are you okay, man? Are you okay? Oh, what happened? I don't know. You know, she's just she's losing her shit. And I said, calm down. I said, just shut your mouth. Just be quiet right now, okay? Don't say anything. Let's just hold doors if we say something stupid. And so they go over and they interview the, so one of the Mexicans ends up going off in an ambulance, right? He's, he's jacked up. The other guy refuses to give a statement, refuses, even to the Spanish speaking officer, refuses to give a statement. He's got no driver's license. They have no insurance. 
So, so what happens is, um, so now I, you know, the investigation starts. My my daughter's on my insurance policy at the time, and so, um, and I'll just go out and say it, it was State Farm. Okay, State Farm insurance. I've been with them forever, and so I'm like, well, that's a no-brainer. Two illegal guys driving, you know, without a license, no insurance, can't even speak English. You know, pull out, and it was a, they pulled out on a red light. She T-bones up, right? And so this should be a no-brainer. Well, no, wasn't that simple. So I talked to the insurance company. They get back with me, get back with me about, I don't know, maybe six weeks later, something like that, a month later. They call me up and go, listen, we are selling out of court. We are going to award the other guys all kinds of money. And I go, what, what are you talking about? Why? We go, well, so here's what happened. It's two guys in one car. It's my daughter in one car. There's no other witnesses except for a third guy. I go, what third guy? They go, well, they were just leaving an automotive repair shop. And the guy that owns the automotive repair shop was their friend, also a Mexican. And he walks out. He said, I walked out, looked left, looked right. Go, oh, I saw the car accident. So he becomes the third witness. He supports his two buddies in the car and said, yeah, she ran a green light, T-bone them. And so they were like, we're not going to go to court because we're going to lose. It's now three to one. Even if it was two to one, we're going to lose. And so it's easier for us just to pay out. I go, okay, that's your money. I said, now, nah, how does that affect my, my, my premium? We go, unfortunately, right. we're going to raise, we're gonna have to raise it. Right? So, yeah, I was, I was so goddamn mad. It's State Farm, by the way. Everybody's out there listen. Okay? That's what they did to me to my daughter. So I turned around and called my daughter and I said, you know what? Here's what happened. And she couldn't believe it. She said, that's so unfair. That's so unfair. I said, remember that conversation we had about the wall? Yeah. I said, okay. I said, well, guess what? Here's some tough love for you. I said, I'm taking you off my insurance policy. You can now go out and buy your own insurance. You can, have, you, you can pay for it. Okay? I was supporting her through college. I bought her car. I was paying everything for her. I said, now you know what? It's on you. I said, maybe those Mexicans will help you out. Because, <laughs> you know, and look, I'm not prejudiced. I, my best friend's Mexican, you know. It ain't about that. It's about what happened. It's about, look, I'm not being politically correct. I'm going to call it like I see it. And this is what it was. This is what it is. And so I looked at her, and she goes, but, Dad, that's so unfair. I, I, said, I said, welcome to the real world. Welcome to America. I said, it's, guys, it's girls like you and guys that sit there and advocate for the illegal, but you know, you're little, you know, you want to, you know, brokenhearted for them, and you know, and, and we, you know, and we're going to help them. I said, now help them. You already helped them. Now, now you're going to pay for it yourself. Said, I'm not doing it. I said, you're off my policy. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> so, you know, these are, so we can tie that into leadership if you want. That's, it's a tough love, but it's a leadership call, you know, and she's going to learn the hard way. You know, I tried to explain to you the first time. And then we went out of our head. It's all right. <laughs> now it happens to you. Now, now you get to learn the hard way, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I, I think back to my dad. My dad would always, you know, would tell me to, you know, tell me how to do things and what to do and whatever else. And I remember him just always going back to like, man, I just, you know, like, why do you have to go and, and experience those hard things? Well, you can't just do what I told you and, and learn from my mistakes. And that's mankind. Like that's what we all got to do. That's what we all got to figure out. Is you got to learn from your own mistakes. And and unfortunately, you know, uh, our our kids are going to have to learn from the mistakes of you know our fathers and the forefathers that you know didn't di- you know kept letting and being lenient and understand not understanding that you know that everything comes at a cost. Somebody's going to pay for it. 
somebody's going to pay for every bit of it. Whether it's a car accident, you know, somebody's going to pay for it. Your premiums and you know everything else that paid for it. Somebody's it's going to cost somebody somewhere. You know that, and you know it's it's crazy that it's crazy to me to see that even corporations nowadays, you know, it's about a number instead of what's right. You know that they that they're not fighting for and and what they're doing they're setting a precedent. Right. All of these corporations are setting a precedent for the next one. Like you look at how many claims that they're going on now that are just crap claims because some truck run over, whatever. And, you know, that guy that's got the, you know, ad out for the, you know, lawyers that's looking at, you know, chasing the next ambulance and whatever. Like he's getting rewarded for it. Yeah. He's making, you know, buku millions of dollars off of all of these, the, you know, backs of all these other folks that, you know, were in an accident. And they, all they got to do, they don't even have to prove it. All they got to do is they got to just prove that it's cheaper to pay me off as an insurance company than to fight this thing. And I know I can sit and run this thing up the bill up for whatever. And you got your lawyers on hand and whatever else, but they know the cost. All they have to do is get to where the costs of settling is cheaper than the cost of going to court. And that's how they're going to run it. And that's, but we're rewarding that like as a corporation. They're not even looking at the long term. that, yeah, that's, for this one instance, yeah, that's costing you more. But because you've done that and you set the precedent for that, now that's that is status quo. Now, not not you know, now that you've got all these crazy claims and you're running around ragged, you know, how many half out half-hearted claims are you having to deal with and running through? Your 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 cost for all these ridiculous claims is going through the roof because you're having to fight all these things, you know, yeah. because you've yeah. set a precedent for it. And there's a bigger deal in it besides just you know this one case deeper to settle than it was to fight it because well, it was know, the right uh, thing to do. So I'll, I'll kind of segue to another area um, to the topic to show you just how bad things really are. And uh, so the consequences, first of all, for what we're, what we're allowing with our kids is everything's at stake at the highest levels, really freedoms at stake. That's what's at stake. Um, yep. And we're right on the cusp of losing all that. And these kids, these people, not even just these kids, these are adults, don't even understand how close we are. They don't think it can happen. Take it from a guy that's lived in, worked in, or, or traveled in 97 countries. It's very possible. America can crumble in a minute, in a minute. We're right on the cusp, just like every other, every other great empire that's ever collapsed in history. Uh, yep. So... I was working in San Francisco. I won't name the, the who I was working for the client. It's a large department store, very big, international. As you know, in California, um, LA, Oakland, San Francisco, the level of theft is through the roof. The level of crime is through the roof. Imagine that. The crime is so bad out there, so bad out there. So if you steal up to $950 worth of merchandise, it's only a misdemeanor. If, if they even charge you with it, will they, which they will not do. All right. So for example, this client that I was working for the store, my only job was literally to stand in front of the camera, let this, let the insurance company see me. So they go, look, we got a badass here protecting us and we're still getting robbed. What they didn't tell the insurance company it was, this badass wasn't allowed to do anything, nothing, zero, just stand there, right? It was a bullshit. It was all smoke and mirrors. So the rules of engagement were you could not in any way interdict, interfere with, talk to, or any way intercede 
um, shoplifters. And anyway, if they were stealing and they would literally come in, they do this everywhere. It's not just anomaly. It's literally every day up to location I was at 50 to 70 times a day. 50 to 70 times a day. My bullshit. Five, zero, times a day. They would literally come in, sometimes come in with, with carts, pull carts in, 40-gallon trash bags, everything. You name it. They come in with wheelchairs. And they took their time shoplifting. They would literally just clean off the shoe racks. They would smash in the glass and the perfumes. And they would take the, They were in a hurry because they knew, one, the cops were not coming. The cops will never come because unless there's weapons involved, they're not showing up. There's not enough of wow. them. Why? Because they defunded the police. There's not enough cops. And the ones that are left are so close to retirement, their pension, they're not going to jeopardize it. Because at the time, they just... They just canned that shit for fucking uh, Boudin, the DA in San Francisco. Um, he was prosecuting police officers, security officers for doing their jobs. Um, and so God. nobody wanted to be even involved. And so, you know, they were cleaning, they were literally cleaning the shelves off so much in this large department store I was at, four stories high. People were asking me, is this store going out of business? You guys didn't really go back, close up? And I go, no, it's just everybody just keeps stealing every day, cleaning the shelves up. Like, how? Whoa. Made several major stores on Market Street alone, Marshalls and other stores, big stores have closed down. Um, 20, I think 27 or 29 Walgreens closed down San Francisco because of the level of theft. I've seen it. I know the security officers at these stores. I watched them every day. It was hand to hand combat, literally every minute. They're in there duking it out, throwing people out of face fighting and stuff because they were getting robbed blind. And so, so I could go on with these stories. Um, let me tell you how bad it was besides the theft. Literally, people were coming in. They were pulling their pants down and shitting in the middle of the floor. They were shitting in their hands. They were smearing it. They were throwing it around, smearing it on the windows. They were coming in, pulling their pants down, having sex. In the open, in the middle of the store, in the aisleway, there were men, homosexuals, in the men's dressing room, up there getting it on so loud that people standing there going, "What's going on here? I need to go. Check. I need to try some clothes." And guys were in there. The people were coming in off the street because the, the store bathrooms were not available to them because they were going to shoot drugs. They were literally going into the dressing rooms and taking a shit and pissing on the floor all day long, constantly doing that. Just, just right there. They didn't even try to cover it up, right? Um, shooting meth, uh, shooting, uh, I mean, shooting heroin and drugs right there on the floor, just literally squatting down, buying up, shooting, oh. nothing happened. I, I can go on with the story all day long. I got pictures and video of nude people, nude women in broad daylight walking up down the street and nobody's paying attention. Literally, they got no clothes on. And they're jumping around, tits are flopping. And nobody, they're just like, they're not even there. Like, I, I, there was a guy standing at a crosswalk. Ready, a whole crowd of people getting ready for like change across the crosswalk. He's standing there masturbating. Literally had his penis out and he's masturbating, standing there. And like, everybody's like, yeah, San Francisco. That's where they're at. There were dead bodies on the road. There was, you can't walk 10 feet without smelling urine or seeing human feces. Um, bodies laying everywhere, everywhere. Um, I, I could just go on and on, and I got all the pictures. I got all the proof, and it was not like every now and then. It was constant, constant, all day, all night long. And so I look at, well, how did that happen? 
Because that doesn't happen where I live. I live in Panama City Beach, Florida. It's a conservative town. You don't see that shit. Nobody will tolerate that. Right? Because we actually have morals, values, and ethics. Okay? We believe that allowing a person to sleep on the street is not really very humane. We, we believe that allowing a person to shit on, us on the floor of a department store is really not very humane or civil. We should, we should police that up. Not their shit, that person. Right? And so... But because because there's no consequences, there's no consequences out there. And it was just insane. And say, I got so many threats every day. I mean, it got to the point where like, listen, guy, take a number, come back. Oh, about 730. I'll be outside. If I'm not outside, get some water, number up, warm up. I'll be out there and we'll, we'll handle it. They never show up. They're all pussies. Right. But it just, it, you know, guns and knives, they'd come in with hypothermic needles in their hands and threaten you with that. You know, um, they, they were literally robbing the place with pit bulls on more than one occasion. I mean, there was no limits to the insanity because that's insane, what, man. This is what they allowed. This is what this is what the people of, of California allowed, period. OK. And so they elected. You know, London Breed, the mayor, they elected this guy, Boudin. They elected the city council. I'm talking about San Francisco right now. That doesn't even include L.A. and Oakland and all these other areas. They elected these people, and this was their policies they elected. And this is what they got for it. And everything was shutting down. Everything was going bankrupt. The prices were going up. Um, they closed everything early just because when it got dark, the fucking zombies would come out and start robbing the place. So it's like, okay, we've got to open later and close earlier so it's still daylight because if it's not, they're, they're coming. And they, and they would come in in mass, in mobs, okay? Um, I facilitated a lot of arrests, mob arrests because of this shit. Um, and this is where we're at. And this is, look, it's not just California. It's Chicago. Even New York has adopted the same policies as, as California. Are you kidding me? Right? So, and, and who's doing this? What cities are there? What states is this in? These aren't conservative. This is, this is the liberal mindset. They're allowing this. Okay? And it's, it's, they're just completely destroying society with this tolerance. It's really intolerable. Uh, it's it's, it's well, uncivilized. It's, it's intolerable. And it's dangerous. It's well, and it's it's not truthful. Like that's the thing that I keep going to on it. You know, it, it, that's you're you're what they're doing is they're they're you want to live by the principle of you know everything's chaos and I can have what I want, right? And and what's good for me is good for me, and what's good for you is good for you. And that's a perfect example. Those people are just doing them. They're just they're just doing what they want to do, and 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 then you know they're living their best life. Look, that's that that's a lie, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it's a bullshit lie that we that lie. society is telling itself that that's okay because you're doing you, and that's you, what you doing you looks like, right? Well, I'll tell you why it's also a lie, right? So this is again, politicians they know how to they know how to manipulate the masses. So so here's what happens: I've seen people come in two three times a day and rob us over and over and over because they know there's no kind of cops are not going to come. Nobody's going to call the cops. Even when the cops came, they would look at us and go, not me, but, you know, the store would go, what do you want me to do? Well, we'd like our merchandise back. Here's your merchandise back. And they let them go um, all day long. Sometimes, and if the person said, I'm not giving it up, the cop was like, oh, I'm not fighting over the merchandise either. Good luck. See ya. Because the cop don't want to lose his job. They have a, the ROE has now changed that the rules of engagement. So the use of force, I mean. So police officers can't even touch 
And then he's walking out of all kinds of shit. You know, he's stealing. A police officer can't even grab the whole, whole, stop, stop, stop. As soon as that happens, the next thing that happens, and they already know this because the liberals put this out on the news so everybody can hear it. It's like the next call is give me your supervisor. Supervisor from PD has to come down. They all have to go to the police station. They have to download the cameras. They have to analyze it. And nobody wants that drama, right? And so it's hearsay. He touched me. He did this. He bumped me. So the cops will not do nothing. They're just standing back, collecting their paycheck, waiting until they can get out of Dodge. Um, their recruiting is so low in San Francisco, they can't even fill up their uh, police training academies. Their classes are empty. Or they're so small, they got to cancel them. Nobody wants to be a cop out there no more. Um, and so, you can't blame them. I mean, like, no, you really can't. I mean, you've no. got guys that, but you, when you when you neuter the one who is who's to enforce any laws, you can't neuter that group. You can't, no. I mean. They're good guys, man. They're good cops, man. Yeah, cops, yeah. You know? And, uh, you know. And, the only ones so, that are going to stick around are the bad ones. Absolutely, man. And so, you know, there's probably not very many of those guys either. I mean, all the cops I met out there, I mean, quite a few were pretty good guys, you know. But they, you know, they were frustrated for, because of all these stupid-ass policies and shit. And so what happens is this, right? So the city gives um, every every person, every homeless person, whatever, they get, I believe it's $800 a month, a debit card for $800 a month. They actually give free rooms for, you know, for a certain amount of time so they go shower and get cleaned up. A place warm place to stay for a few nights, that type of thing. So, um, and then, you know, they got other companies that come in, uh, third-party vendors on contract, they're handing out blankets and bullshit. So everybody's making money off the homeless because, look, that $800 that guy's getting on the debit card will last him a second, right, for him to go buy more drugs yep. because they actually have areas where they go shoot up all day long. Yep. I've watched them shoot up for the cops. The cops won't do anything because they know they can't. Um, so they burn through that cash really fast. Then the next step is it's almost like clockwork. They come in and now they start stealing. They go down several blocks and to the, there's an outdoor, uh, like an outdoor market um, with foreigners. And they sit there and they basically they sell the stuff they stole for, you know, whatever, half the price or third of the price. These other guys take the stuff and resell it. Okay. Make their money. So then all the third party vendors are getting money from the, from the government, from the city, to hand out blankets, right? It's a self-licking ice cream. It just it keeps going on and on and on. There's there's no there's no end to this thing, okay? And what they're doing is they're perpetuating the problem because when you allow people to keep taking drugs, okay, they need more money to buy more drugs. And if they only have eight hundred dollars, I gotta get more money. Where do I get that from? I steal from this guy, okay? And I go down here and apply it to these guys. They give me a little bit of money. I go out and buy more drugs. It's just a cycle. And they go, oh, they're going to give you a blanket to roll up in on the street at night. And sometimes they get a hot shower and some free food. I have no incentive to better my life because everybody's no. taking care of me. Everybody's well, and you know, everyone. It's such <laughs> shit. And then the reason what I think, you know, one of the things that we keep where we're getting wrong with this whole thing is, um, is what is, you know, when we're looking at this, what does um what does the definition of you know it's what everybody now in society is looking at is um you gotta be loving and you gotta be nice and you gotta be kind, right? And I think we don't have a proper definition of what love is, right? Well, that what does right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, and and that that you know being being kind is not one of the favorite sayings for me is being, being nice is kind. 
right? Or no, being kind is nice, but sometimes being nice, fairly kind, right? Yeah. It's not kind to be so nice to give somebody a bunch of crap and not love also looks like something that is, is hard, right? That yeah. it's, it, you know, it's for your best that you don't live like this, but I'm not going to support the way that, you know, it's called tough love whenever you're looking at an addict, right? Is, yeah. is that, you know, like, so I'm not going to support your addiction. I'm going to, your tough love is you don't get anything anymore. You don't get to have, and there's repercussions for it. And I love you enough. And it's the same with being a father and raising my kids, right? Is I love you enough to, to teach you the tough stuff, to not say it's okay that you do this, that you, you know, I remember my little boy taking my money one time early when he was, I don't know, he was probably like seven or eight years old. He picked up some money that he had and he, you know, had it. And, and it was, uh, and he's a sweet boy. I mean, it wasn't, but he, it was such a learning opportunity for him, right? That he had to realize that he had stole from his father, right? And he was just little, he was seven or eight years old, but that was a, that was a mark moment for him, that there was repercussions for it and there was shame in what he was doing and that there, that he, it cost him something, right? And that there was, there's repercussions. And that's what we're doing is this, you're, you're not loving these people that are sitting and living on the streets by letting them, helping them continue to live and, and, and live on the streets that, yeah. you know, that you're turning them into an animal by giving them rights and, and uh, telling them it's okay to run around in a, de a department store and crap on the floor. And that like, what, what part of that is good or loving or like what, what, I mean, you're looking at what it looks like when you, you look at a society and say, this is acceptable. Yeah. That's what it's acceptable, acceptable looks like. Yeah, you know what? And here's the sad part is a lot of foreigners were coming to San Francisco on vacation. They believed the postcards, right? <laughs> and they would show up and they would watch all this stuff go down, like where I was at. And they would literally walk up to me and go, are you going to do anything? I said, I'm doing it. This is all I'm allowed to do. And they're like, are they allowed? To? Yeah. I said, they can do what they want. In fact, and I would tell these people, I go, you know what? You, you go up here and steal, steal $950 worth of shit. I'm not going to stop you. Nobody here is going to stop you because we can't. We're not going to call nobody. We're not going to say a damn thing. You can just take it, go out, put it in the truck of your car, come back and get another load. I said, no, that's, there's no, they were just, they were just, I couldn't believe it, man. But that is actually the truth. That's actually the truth. I watched it happen all day long. People walking out with carts full of clothes, shop. I mean, they were loading up 40 gallon trash bags. Guys were walking on a thousand dollars worth of shoes at a time. Um, you know, I watched it all go down all day long for, for probably close to six, seven months every freaking day when I was out there. My job originally was, hey, you know, we need you to go out and, and protect the employees because they were getting scared because people were getting so violent now, they're beating up all the employees. And so, you know, and so the employees, look, it's San Francisco. Think about this for a minute. You know, so this particular store, everybody in there was, you know, a minority woman. It was homosexuals, transsexuals. Um, I can only remember a couple of guys that I would tell, those are dudes, and they were dudes, they were veterans. Uh, that's it. I said, but they're not even always here. I said, so you got all these other people that are sheep. You know, and they need a they need a sheepdog in here to protect them from the wolves. And that was my job, you know. 
Um, and even then I was constrained as to what I could do and not do. And it wasn't very much. I mean, I did have, a, I arrested quite a few people, but um, I was very limited in my powers of what I could do. When I say arrested, I facilitated the arrest. Um, and luckily the only reason I was able to facilitate arrest is because I had built a good rapport with the local police, hearts and minds. They would never come if the, if the store called for their help. But if I called for their help or they saw me, they always came for me because they knew who I was. And so I got things done. But uh, if it wasn't for me, nothing would happen. And, uh, and I think they did it more out of, you know, out of respect for me. Like, you know, they didn't want to look like a shitbird in front of me, like, do your job. Even So they did, right? But it wasn't because they didn't want to do their job. It's because there's severe consequences for them if, if it's perceived they made a mistake, even if they didn't, right? So... It's just, this is California, this is Chicago, this is New York. Um, it's spreading like cancer and comes back to what we were talking about in the beginning. It, you know, it's, it's a breakdown. It's really a breakdown of the family. It's a breakdown of society. Um, it's a breakdown of moral and ethical values. It's being broken down by people in power, okay? They're the ones that are pushing this. They want this to happen because it empowers them if they can get the dumb masses to follow them like the Pied Piper, man, they can do all kinds of shit. You and I are the bad guys, and they give us all kinds of names, toxic masculinity, fascist. You know, they whatever they can throw at us to make us look yeah. like the bad guys, that's what they're doing. Even though we're not the bad guys, we actually give a fuck about our country and the people in it and our, and our, our culture. Um, we want the best for our kids. We don't want our kids, you know, aborted. We don't want our kids... You know, uh, you know, uh, brainwashed and believing that you know you can cut your dick off when you're five years old, but you feel feel comfortable with that. You know, come on, man. You know, and so, but we're the bad guys for that. And you think about the the other people. You know, you know, I, and I don't want to give them any. Don't want to give them a pass because if you if you're more than eighteen years old, hell, if you're more than sixteen years old, you know better. And why you say sixteen? Because hey, the liberals think that's old enough to vote. Okay, if you're 16 years or older, you know better, okay? And if you're buying into the propaganda, you're my enemy, period. You're my enemy, period. No, we, you know, there was a time when we could, like, we could, you know, look, you know, we could have a difference of politics and still be friends. Those days are yep. long gone. We cannot be friends about differences in politics. You're a fucking Democrat, you're my goddamn enemy, period, all right? Because your liberal views... You're supporting a, a, a party that's okay with killing babies. And my opinion is that's what you're actually doing is you're killing babies. All right. You want to believe the science? I can read the science to you. It tells you those are fucking babies. Those are that's Tell me what it's not. Died. Yeah. So, you know, they, they're supporting that. They're supporting taking my, my firearms so I can't defend myself from what? A tyrannical government. It's not because I want to go hunting. I could care shit less about hunting. It's not about hunting. Okay. It's about protecting myself from a government. Okay, with their stormtrooper Democrat liberal transvestite transsexuals that want to take my freedom, take my money, take my life, take my children from me. That's who I'm going to stand against. That's why I want to take my Second Amendment right. It's not a government right. It's my God-given right. It's my natural and, right. You know. You know, and and that right, that right, and what you've done in your job and your career, right, has been fighting for all of them the whole time too for their right. rights that's the craziest thing about it right yeah. is that you're you're right and what you've done is been nothing but supportive for their rights and their abilities to be able to pursue what they wanted to pursue do what they wanted to do 
their sacrifice was for not just for the one 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 percent or the the you know the only the conservatives like the, it what we have fought for what we have fought for as a nation or what we've wanted and, and represented as a nation was freedom for all of us right yeah. but there this new idea of of freedom is not in the freedom for everybody it's a freedom for few and it yeah. doesn't make sense that there it's 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 a lie because it can't be proven right it's yeah. the same thing as you know is the same thing as the abortion ideas and whatever else you know that whole deal with abortion instead of telling me what who's right is what your job is to your job as a you know writer of the law or whatever else or someone who is investigating this your job your burden of proof is prove to me that it's not a life yeah. prove to me it's not a life prove to me that you're not taking because if someone kills a a, a pregnant woman they they're tried for two murders you know, that the, 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 the egg of, you know, you said before, the bald eagle egg. If I destroy a bald eagle egg or I destroy a, a turtle's egg, you know, then right. I have fines. Because why? Because we observe that as life somewhere at some point, sometime, right? And so prove to me, your burden of proof is to prove to me that that's not a life. Show me yeah. that it's not. Uh, and so, look, and here's the other thing, man, when it comes to abortion. Look, I know a lot of women that had abortions out there. Yeah. They bought into the lie that it's just a clump of cells. So they had an abortion, right? Because again, they were swayed by the 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 the, the more vocal people out there. They were lied to. They were, they lied, were lied to, to also. Right? So I get it. If you did if they did that once because they believed the bullshit, um, you know, I can forgive that. I can understand how that can happen, right? And there but, is forgiveness, right? Yeah. Exactly. But, you know, those that, like, that one cunt that was on there, 27, 23 abortions bragging about it, it's like, you know what? You're just a fucking, you're just a mass murderer, period. You're a piece of garbage and need to be extinguished, erased from this planet. We don't need you in the gene pool. We don't need you, not that you want to reproduce, obviously, but we just don't need you around our, the rest of us, especially our kids. Um, and then, so I was going to share something with you real quick. Um, I know we're kind of getting towards the end here, but... Um, so what I wanted to show, this is not, this is not something I wrote. It's something that I gleaned from somebody else. But this kind of puts it all in perspective. Um, and I know that if you were to read this to any liberal, any pro, they, they call themselves pro-life, pro-life, or not pro-choice. Bullshit, okay? Pro-choice, if you say pro-choice, that means you have the choice to choose a liberal. A liberal kills somebody. You know, let's say a liberal kills somebody. I should have the same choice of liberal to kill you if I want, because I don't believe you either. I don't think you're around. I actually got, I got kicked off of Twitter because I had a woman say, you know, I'm an old person, I'm a veteran, but I'm old and I'm crippled and I need to protect myself. I want to be safe and we don't need to have any firearms. I go, you're a veteran. Fuck, get yourself an M4 and protect yourself then. You know, and then she went on to, to about abortion, about, you know, they're draining the welfare system, you know, and, and they're draining society. We, you know, the unwanted babies, blah, blah, blah. I go, well, you just said you're old and crippled, so you're obviously draining society. I said, why don't you put a needle in your head, suck your brains out, cut your arms and legs off, and get, get yourself off the system. They actually banned me from Twitter for saying that, right? <laughs> but uh, so, what I wanted, so what I was going to say was, um, there's a thing called the principle of precondition. I'll just kind of read it to you, all right? It kind of destroys yeah. the argument of bodily autonomy, okay? So everybody go, my body, my choice. But the principle of precondition negates that, and here's what it means: If I pick up a baby, can I claim a bodily can I claim bodily autonomy 
that no one that no one can use or use my body without my consent and simply drop the baby. So if I pick up a body, go, you know, I changed my mind. I don't want you using my body, you know, and I just drop the fucking kid. Can I do that? That would be the same thing as a, a pilot in a 747 go, you know what? It's my body flying this airplane, and I just don't feel like flying this airplane anymore, and I'm going to let it crash with everybody on board. No, he's got a responsibility to save and keep all those souls behind him alive because he took responsibility for them because he's flying the airplane. It's the same thing with a baby. When you make yep. the choice that to, to fuck, have sex, and get pregnant, you have a responsibility to that other body that's in your body as a separate set of DNA to carry it to safety. That's your job. If I'm holding the baby, you hand me your baby, and I go, you know what? Oh, that's so cute. Wait a minute. Uh, body autonomy. I don't want to hold it anymore. I'm obligated to set that baby down or hand it back to you safely. Not just say fucking drop it off the fucking building. I don't want to hold it anymore. Yep. All right. And that's kind of where we, that's kind of what this whole thing about pre-principle precondition means. Um, and so, and there's a lot of truth to that. But the argument is, well, it's not a baby. But actually, it is a baby. And I'll and I'll read to you what uh, what is a baby. The believe the science, right? So um, let me pull that up here real quick. If I can pull it up real quick, uh, I got all this stuff saved, man. Uh, so let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, life is defined as a system that has a capacity of performing functions such as eating, metabolizing, excreting, breathing, moving, growing, reproduction, and responding to external stimuli. This applies to the unborn babies because they have that capacity. Capacity. This is science. Okay, this is science. It's not just a clump of cells. I mean, you took a five-month-old fetus, a baby is fully formed. It can survive outside the womb at five months. How is that just a clump of cells? It's not. Then the other argument that's made is, well, it doesn't have senescence. Oh, yeah? Well, what about the guy that's in a coma that's 50 years old, 40 years old, got in a motorcycle crash, and he's in a coma? For Do you say, well, he, you know, he doesn't have senescence, so is it okay to pull the blood and kill him? What if he comes out yep. a couple of days, in a week, in a month, in a year? See, we don't have that right. We don't have that right. And so this is what's lost. Mm. It's indefensible. And I'm just appalled at how can people try to defend that when it's right there. You're all, you know, the science yeah. is right there. It's all right there in your face. But like, remember I said in the and beginning, what Hitler said? You know, 90 days, and you can tell my, in 90 days, you'll believe a lie in the face of the truth. No matter what, you'll never change your mind. And this is where we're at. Yeah, and you know, the, it goes right back to everything else that we talk about too. Is that if you're you're not responsible for your own decisions, you were just you made the decision to to do an act that causes procreation, right? If you've decided to do that act, then you also are responsible for those actions that you did. And if you can't sacrifice the five months and go through the the that carry that child for the purpose of somebody else, you're never going to learn the responsibilities that come along with your actions. And that's what we're seeing with that. All the ridiculous shit that you're talking about in San Francisco and all the other places is that you're looking at what it looks like when we don't have responsibility. There is no repercussions for our bad decisions and what it is. And you can live life the way you want to. And it's at nobody, nobody else's expense. And that, is a lie in every facet of life. There is a consequence to every action that you do. And so, if you've made that, 
you're you're taking someone else's consequences and not being responsible for it. So the operative word is is responsibility. We started out this segment with that word responsibility. I quoted Mark Twain. Mark Twain said most people, 99%, do not want responsibility, will not take responsibility because it implies that you actually got to think and you actually have to do things to, to be responsible. It's easier to give your responsibility to absolve yourself of it by giving it to the government, to other people, right? And that's yep. exactly what's going on here. These people are too lazy to take responsibility for their actions or inactions. Uh, and what they want to do is they want to project it on somebody else. And they want to do it, under, they, want to, they want to feel good about themselves. And so, you know, they come up with, you know, words like pro-choice, my body, my choice. When they want to, you know, they, and so they think if they say it loud enough that it must be true. My body, my choice. That sounds. And often enough. Right. It sounds like it might make sense, right? It's my body, my choice. If you're talking about sticking a drug into a vaccine, but it's not my body, my choice when there's actually two bodies, two sets of DNA. And my choice was to allow myself to get pregnant. Now, of course, there's caveats, right? Everybody makes the argument, well, what if somebody's raped or said, okay, the numbers statistically are so small that they're insignificant. And maybe there's an exception for that. But generally well, speaking, most people that get that have babies did so because they were irresponsible. They didn't use birth control, they had random sex or whatever, and they got pregnant. And now they want to undo this. This they made a bad decision one night. And so now the fix that this that bad decision, that pro-choice, is to kill a human being that's inside their body. It's in, and not take responsibility for it. And yeah. I always I I you know I I've heard that over and over, the excuse of, you know, well, what about what about rape or what about incest? And, you know, and those are those are, uh, you know, those are the fringe inf- instances that happen. And, and, you know, and it does happen for sure. You know, I, I'm not going to ignore that it doesn't happen. Right. But I, my question on that is always, well, so you're telling me just because your dad was a piece of shit, you don't deserve to live. Yeah, exactly. it still doesn't negate the fact that that's a living being in there, and it doesn't lose in its its value as yeah. a human being just because your dad or the, the the sperm donor was some you know piece of crap. If that's the case, then there's a lot of people that don't deserve to walk around because they had a parent yeah. that was bad or whatever else. You can't use that argument and and make that life of no value. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a hard decision and it's a suck decision. And it, but you know what? The life is filled with a bunch of suck decisions and hard things that we have to go through. But there's yeah. a sacrifice for a life. And you can't negate the fact that that life has value. Right. Yeah, we can't absolutely. we can't blow that over and act like that is not that life just because there was an a, 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 an act around it. Or it's one person, one individual in the party that participated was a piece of shit. Like it doesn't make that, that life any less valuable. You know, I, yeah. I think that's a crazy deal for people to, to use as an argument. It's not it doesn't negate the fact that we're we're dancing around the idea, the, the, the truth that that is a life, no matter which way you look at it. And it doesn't make it a less valuable life. It makes it suck for the for the for the birthing the, the mother, you know, to be able to go mm-hmm. through that. And but that's a that's a consequence we got to work at. And, and life does suck. There's hard parts about life. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a fool to tell you that it doesn't suck. Right. Yeah. But, it, absolutely, dude. And we all, you know, 
So the argument is always, um, you know, women suffer, women don't have a choice. And all the propaganda, even, I've even been lately, they're going, okay, now we're at this stage, the next stage is we're going to go back to segregation. Man, this is pure propaganda. All of this shit is total propaganda. Okay. Um, you know, pro-choice, we're going to lose our choice, our body autonomy. No, you never lose the choice. The choice is you either have sex or you don't. Okay. You use, you use birth control or you don't. These are choices. And there's consequences. These are, these are your choices. Exactly. Like everything in life, you know, it's, everything is really, it's a, it's a series of compromises. It's a series of choices. And at the end yep. of the day, you know, you have to be able to, to accept what those consequences of your decisions. You, if you make a bad decision, you got to live with the, I have, there's, there's a lot of stuff I have made mistakes. I've done things, but I have never neglected, for example, my children. I have never been the guy go get an abortion. Like, <laughs> no. Bring, bring and and well, I, you know? I would venture to say that you've probably never skirted the consequences of any of your decisions, too. You know, no, I've made bad no. decisions in my life and 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 I took the consequences and I learned from it and it made me stronger. It made me make a better decision later on and, you know, and, and do all that. You know, I think yeah. I think the greatest part about this conversation and, I, you know, I, I hope we do a few more because we're both two like minded guys on a lot of a lot of the discussions. And I think it's important nowadays for young men to know what the not just a talking point, right? But a true heart of, I think it's a misconception, right? Because we look at the, 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 video, the videos or the, the look outside look of what a warrior is, right? And the, the warrior culture, right? And that it's, a, it's just a knuckle dragger, right? It's just, a, it's just a, some guy that's just, you know, all about him and whatever else. And I think one thing that's a misconception is that... Um, for most, for people to understand the the what it is that um, guys like me and you, um, they can look at us from a point of view as being like just knuckle draggers or just you know the conservative deal. But to understand the heart behind guys like us, you know, men that work, you know, um, that do more work with our hands that are not necessarily you know we find our reward and necessarily just sitting at a desk kind of deal. But, um, and what I've seen and I've noticed in most guys, um, is, uh, your line of work. And I know a few, I know, you know, at least 10 guys, you know, that are in your same line of work is that a group of guys do don't have a purpose or an understanding of a greater good, right? Yeah. You couldn't go out and do the things that you do. And have experienced the things that you've done and led the way that you've led without understanding right from wrong and having a strong under, uh, purpose in what you're doing. You can't just go and do those things without just because or just for a dollar, right? Yeah. You can tell me all you want to about a guy that goes out and, and does, you know, mercenary work or whatever you want to call it, that, that just does it for the dollar that, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's guys like that too, but that, you know, there's got to be a greater good that you're doing it for. You got to understand right from wrong and that you can't be just a knuckle dragger. Like every one of the guys that I know, know, you know, several different languages that are, uh, have higher education that you're not a bunch of, you know, numbnuts that are running around like the very highly intelligent guys that have an understanding of truth and purpose in it. And 
because of what you've done, you have seen and know questions of he's wrong. You know, what it's, you understand consequences that life and the world around you is going to smack you in the face if you don't understand right from wrong and you don't get those consequences. Everything that you know and that you're using and teaching in leadership is through experience, experiencing the consequences and unseeing in life what it's like when you don't follow the rules of life and the world. Yeah. Yeah. It- <laughs> So it goes back to, you know, people just don't know what they don't know. Yeah. But this is where leadership comes to play early on in people's lives. And it's, it's critical that we teach our young kids, our young ones early about, you know, those principles about leadership, integrity, responsibility, accountability, all those things. Under, you know, before before their school teachers get a hold of them like we're seeing it now and social media and all these things are polluting their minds. There's nothing good that comes out of this. Um, look at look at this this I don't know what the fuck you want to call him, but this guy that just shot all these people in Chicago. I mean you see pictures of this guy, cross dresser. Yeah. I mean actually look at all of them, these mass shooters, and they're all deranged psychopaths with left-leaning liberal tendencies, cross-dressing, they're, they're puny beta males. Um, they're just no total. role model. No role exactly. model, no father. No, and, and here they are, right? And they're out just slaughtering people indiscriminately like it's a video game, you know? And, and, uh, and that's the reason why. And so how do we change that? Well, we can't force people to stay married. Um, and unfortunately, the, the, the strain of society, the strain of our jobs, the strain of everything is it tears people apart. It te- tears families apart. The politics is huge. People fucking hate each other in their own family over politics, you know, and these belief systems that they've been, you know, indoctrinated in. And so what it takes is it takes guys outside the family, men outside the family, to be role models or mentors. And that's kind of where I find a lot of my success. Um, I, I have a lot of people that follow me, mostly young men, um, because for that very reason, they're looking for a role model. They're going, damn, I want to yep. be like that guy. You know, and, yep. and I can't reach them all. And, you know, and there's a lot of guys out there that will never uh, be reached just because their mind's not there. They've already been indoctrinated into the bullshit, you know? And, uh, you know, but you know, then that, that role that you've had, not only being a father to all of your children too, but that role model that you had as like a, a father like type of role was in, in the, in, in working with the SF and all the other teams that you've worked with and that you put together that, that, that leadership, that role, whether it's an executive, you know, that you're taking that role of, of, teaching truth and giving that knowledge, showing people by leading properly in a, all these different environments. Like you see it with coaches, with young kids. And like, there's a, there's a role that we as men play, not just as our father for our immediate family, but you can, we can be that role model. It's being, it's being diminished is being belittled but it is such an important role model for our entire society and it's not just 
It's not just a you know guy that's a door kicker. It's not just a guy that's a horse trainer, but it's the guy that's the coach for the baseball team at the junior high level or high school or college or whatever. Like there's so many roles that we have that we've we've got to take and take those roles and take them seriously. And and it's a sacrificial role. It's a role that takes time away from you know what you want to do, but it's finding that passion in it, right? That that and a purpose. Like I think that's a big part is that purpose, right? Yeah, and so. You know, with that said, you know, Mike, whenever I get a coaching client, that's the very first question I ask them is what's your purpose in life? And uh, a lot of times they answer, I want to help people. I want to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Okay. I get it. We all want to help people. Um, but is that sure. your purpose or what is your personal purpose? What do you want to do? What do you want to be? For me, um, you know, my purpose was always uh, to be a good role model for my kids. And they can hate me all they want, but at least I know I was a good role model. And and, yeah. and even I told my oldest daughter one day, I said, you know what? Uh, you know, all my kids, if they want to hate me, at least they can hate me from, um, you know, a, a position of privilege. That's where you can, you can hate me from a position of privilege because I gave yeah. you that privilege. I, put, I gave you the opportunity to be whatever you want to be. And in that station in life, you can look down and spit on me if you want, but you can thank me for giving you that station. Um, you know, and that was my role as a father and a leader. And if you don't respect that, that's okay. I did my part. And hopefully you're a better person for that. And hopefully you recognize what I did for you. You know, that's for all you know, that's the way I look at it. Um, you know, not all kids are gonna you know, appreciate that, but, uh, no, I think I tell my kids, I tell my kids that, um, you know, you, you'll appreciate it later when you have kids, you know, when you get to the point where you're doing that and, and I'm sure I'm going to give you plenty of things to talk to your therapist about (laughs) how I did things or whatever else, but you know what, that's part of life. Right. And I, there's love looks different than what the world is telling you. Love doesn't look like a passive allowing things to happen and being okay with these things, you know, love looks like I love you enough to be real with you so that you can survive this thing called life, not be a, not be a, a, a a victim of life, but that you can be a participant of life. And that, you know, and you're going to see that love in me as you grow and you raise your kids and, and do that stuff. I got my own special way of screwing you up on certain things. I know I'm going to mess things up, but it's not because I'm doing thing. I don't need you to understand that I'm perfect. I need you to understand that I care and that I love you enough to have all of us go through the tough stuff. That that's truth yeah. in life. It's not, it's not, it, you know, you're full of shit. If you think that this is all going to be hunky dory and it's going to be easy and voila, you're going to be making all kinds of money and you're going to, you know, it's just going to be that easy. There's sacrifice with every bit of it, whether it's, you know, sacrifice in the family, sacrifice in work or whatever, but that's truth, right? It's not the other crap that's truth, right? Well, when I grew up, you know, my mom and dad were the same, you know, I was a run and I got bullied a lot and I would get in a lot of fights. And I remember both my mom and dad were always, my dad used to watch me get in fights in the street with some other kids. And he would come out with his beard in his hand. He wasn't a redneck kid, okay? My dad was an army. Um, and he would watch me fight. And he would tell me, you kick his ass, son. If you don't kick his ass, we come home, we're going to kick your ass. My mom would say the same. They made me fight. Now, the, you know, people today go, oh, you know, she turned to the cheek and walked away. 
You know what? We live in a very rogue and feral world. You turn the cheek, you might get stabbed in the goddamn back, right? So um, my parents were smart enough to go, you know what? I'm going to teach my kid to be tough. It's like Johnny Cash in the song. He named his son Sue. <laughs> um, you know, uh, what was growing <laughs> Sue, you know? And uh, he did that to make him tough, right? He fought his whole way life growing up. He hated his dad for naming him Sue, but uh, he realized why he did it, you know? And so my parents did the same thing. You know, they didn't come out there and break up the fight, you know, and go shake hands, be good boys. They were like, kick his ass, son, or I'm going to kick your ass, right? They taught me to win. They taught me to fight. They taught me to stand my ground. They told me. They taught me there's going to be consequences if I don't. If I don't stand my ground, there's going to be consequences. One, that guy will kick my ass, and then they're going to kick my ass. So I was. T- and guess what? I, you know, and this is what you know the, the libs out there like. Yeah, and you know, and that's what makes a psychopath and a mass shooter. Well, guess what, stupids. You know what? I've never been in trouble with the law ever. I don't have any misdemeanors. I have nothing. Zippo zero. I've got a perfect track record. I'm a good person. I've done nothing but help people. I've saved lives. You know why? And because of the person that I am, because the person I was raised to be. I was raised to be a fighter, a protector, a defender. I was raised to be a sovereign man. Okay, not a crybaby who ran with his tail between his legs. I'm the sheepdog. I'm the sheepdog. I was taught to stand and fight the wolf, you know, and I did. I'm better than the wolf, you know. And yeah. so, you know, and this is what's missed because it's all bullshit propaganda about, you know, turning the other cheek. Man, that sounds really good until you get kicked in the ass for turning your cheek. You get a real stranglehold put on your ass for turning the other cheek. Okay. That's all sounds good and warm and fuzzy Dr. Spock shit. But that's not reality. That's not the world we live in, especially now. It's dangerous. It's feral. It's rogue. You know what? People get smoke checked every day, just minding their goddamn business. You know, and so you know, it's happening a lot in our country. Look at all the people getting shot down these mass shootings. You can't stop the mass shootings. You can't take the weapons away. They're not. You're never gonna. It's not gonna happen. You know, but these people are minding their business and then they're dead. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is the world we live in. So you can either prepare it yourself is. or you can succumb to it. That's it. But you, what you cannot do is hold other people responsible that didn't do anything and make other people accountable for shit that they're not doing, thinking that somehow that's going to protect you. It's not. Yeah. It's no, not, it's not. Right? It, it's not. And it's not, it's not reality, you know, and and the, the thing that is probably one of the hardest lessons that most are going to learn in, in, the, in, in the future is that um, whenever you need those skills, when you need those things to survive life, it's too late to go and earn them. Yeah. It's too late. You know, I, I think that's why there's plenty of stuff that I, you know, talking about being a sheepdog, you know, it's like there's plenty of things that I you know, I, you know, doing jujitsu. I love that, man. I love the exercise. I love the workout. I love the, you know, I love the struggle. I love, there's so much, it's great stuff to learn and all of the, you know, martial arts and stuff. And, and, um, but it's, I think it's like the quote of, um, you know, it's better to be a, a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. And, and that's so true. You, it, by the time it's war, it's too late. So you preparing your, not only physically, to do all those things, but preparing your mind for these, these things too, is what, you know, the, the, the role of a father is in developing his kids 
is developing so that they they don't fall or crush under the pressure of you know whatever it is that's the hard stuff or you know but you've conditioned them to be able to handle those things and they're not going to know it at the time but you know later on when they get older and stuff you know it'll come to fruition and it's the way that and it's it's the way that a society survives right it's the way that we become you know better as a society is when we see the um see the values of all of those that it's not just one that you know the fringes that takes over control and you go to one extreme or to the other there's a balance between all of these things and that's the reason why we stand so much behind what it is that we believe in in our country because it was a balance it was a fairness for all it was a balance but it doesn't you know it, it, we all have the right to pursue happiness doesn't mean you get happiness right doesn't mean you get everything it just means you have the right to try and do it and if you quit too early you don't get it you know if you you know you have the right to try and do that but it doesn't mean you're gonna get it you have the right to try right if you don't have the the guts to push with it the the stick to itness that you were taught to be able to do or to be tough enough about it well then you don't get it but that's life but you get the opportunity right we all have the opportunity and then yeah. the rest of it that you deserve it is a lie you know yep. it's just so, a lie <laughs> So now it's everybody gets the black beret, you know, <laughs> everybody gets the black beret, everybody gets the trophy, you know, and this is why we yeah. have such a weak society, a weak country. Um, it is. We are weak. We are weak. Uh, it's, it's 5% to carry the other 95%, hands down. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well, Dale, it was good speaking with you again, man. I'll have to have you back on. And I'm making damn sure I get all this stuff recorded as many times as I can this time. Um, but, uh, but dude, I've enjoyed it. I've, I really have. And, and, you know, I know you guys, you know, you guys hear it plenty of times. Thanks for your service. But, you know, it, not only thanks for your service, but thanks for the sacrifice. Like, not just because you, you sacrifice, but that you're an example, man. And, and we need more of this. We need more of the guys being able to speak out and, not because I want to take and just your, you know, because a, you know, fanboy of whatever. It's more of you know, like seeing the the, the similarities in between the farmer and the rancher and the 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 you know special forces guys. And but the reason behind all of that, you know, why I yeah. find the love in agriculture and why I find love. It's not just because it's easy. It's a hard freaking life, man. It sucks. It's hot. It's you know crappy. I've got to go out there when I don't want to and taking care of the, uh, the lives of other animals because it's, it's, it's nutrition to others. And, you know, but that's a greater good that we're working for. And you guys are the same, yeah. you know, but finding that struggle in all of us as men, you know, finding that similarities, I think it's cool stuff, man. Sure. So well, I appreciate cool. it. You bet. You bet. You've been listening to the Go Time Podcast with Todd Martin. If you'd like to know more about the Go Time Podcast, Todd Martin, or Todd Martin Performance Horses, you can visit us at toddmartin.net, N-E-T. We're going to be putting up some merchandise on there, too, for the podcast. And also, please, if you get the time and you like it, share it with a friend. Give us a like and a review. I guess all that stuff kind of really helps and helps us get it out there to more people to be able to enjoy the podcast. So until next time, go tap.